five, four, three, two, one. From the Washington 24, DeVito fires, looking for Barkley, end zone, he's got it, touchdown! And now DeVito connects with Darius Slayton, and Slayton makes a move, takes it into the end zone. He went around Kendall Fuller for a Giants touchdown, 40-yard pass play. Powell under pressure, and then he will throw oh! it. Isaiah Simmons with the interception down the sideline into the end zone. Touchdown Giants on their sixth takeaway. You know, I guess all it took was a, a, a two-week absence for me to come back on the air, uh, spend some family time, and and get out to uh, South Bend, Indiana. Step away for two weeks, and the Giants win a football game. So maybe I should do that uh, more often. Welcome to the latest edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Of course, this Friday, November 24th edition, just a touch after 7 p.m. on the East Coast. Lots to get into, and you heard it in the open. It was an, an impressive victory uh, for the New York Giants, uh, again, I've said this for the last month plus, who are not going anywhere, right? The Giants aren't going anywhere, but there was fight in that team last week. There was a lot of fight in that team last week, and it was great to see Tommy DeVito, uh, the former Syracuse standout and local kid from New Jersey, uh, play well and throw three touchdown passes, and the Giants eclipsed 30 points, uh, something that seemed like an impossibility with this squad uh, the last couple of years, minus the postseason win a year ago. And how quickly things can change. You also heard in that opening, perhaps the most heartbreaking thing to happen last week uh, was the season-ending and college career-ending injury uh, of Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis. Um, as well as that young man has played all season to the tune of an undefeated seminal record, top four in the playoff rankings until last week. You don't ever want to see things like that take place for a kid who has really helped resurrect a Florida State football program under head coach Mike Norville. Uh, that was something that was really tough to watch. Uh, at a point in a game against North Alabama where Florida State was actually trailing, they came back to hammer that team. But Jordan Travis's career, and we'll, and we'll touch on this in a little bit, now over for the Seminoles. And what does that mean for the college football landscape moving forward? We'll get into that in the next segment. But I want to start in the NFL. Obviously, the Giants get back in the win column last week. And DeVito gives you a glimpse there, right? And I, when I say glimpse, I, I want to be very careful with, with how I choose my words. Not because you think he's the future under center for the Giants. But a glimpse of what the kid was able to do when you unleash him and let him throw the football. Because conventional wisdom would tell you that if the Giants had done that a couple of weeks ago in the rain, then perhaps they beat the Jets. As opposed to letting the kid throw the ball twice and having two of those passes called back uh, for offensive penalties on Big Blue. So the Giants give up nine sacks. But, but here's a caveat with that. I think a lot of those sacks... Uh, a week ago from that Giants team could be attributed to DeVito not wanting to make the boneheaded mistake, right? Not wanting to take a potential play and make a disaster out of it. Because if, if you look in the last couple of weeks, you know, I think it's fair to say that not while not where you would want this group of five to be, the Giants offensive line has been better where it should have been from the beginning of the season till now, of course not. Injury, underwhelming play on both sides. But the line has been a little bit better the last couple of weeks. And they had the Dallas game a few weeks ago when you were able to get the quarterback on the move 
and run some of those running plays out of the backfield with Barkley. Sure, the Giants got hammered in the game, but there were positives to take from that. And it looks like, at least offensively, they rolled that over, that fourth quarter performance against Dallas into and parlayed it into a victory against the Commanders. Now, this is a Giant team that's got another winnable game coming up this weekend against New England. Most Giant fans screaming for the franchise to lose games now. But you ask any diehard fan like myself, I'm not sitting there rooting for this team to lose for a draft pick. Because you could put Caleb Williams, Drake May, you could put Patrick Mahomes here, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, all of those guys who I really like. They're not winning with this team as constituted. The Giants aren't a quarterback away, folks. Would it be a step in the right direction? Hell yeah. I think we all agree. As much as I like Daniel Jones and like to be polite about that, it clearly isn't working. And there's the get out of Dodge pass after two years. We'll have to see what happens with Joe next year, which would be the second year of that four-year deal. The Giants can move on clean break after two years. It was into the contract when Jones signed the four-year $160 million contract. But there's a lot that's going to happen before then. But to just say that the Giants are a quarterback away would be absurd. So to sit there and root for them to lose when you need when you absolutely need an alpha wide receiver, a number one, you need to rebuild that or continue to rebuild that offensive line. Defense has pieces, continue to build there. Probably need another cornerback opposite Deontay Banks. So there's a lot that you need here. And to just be screaming for losses because you want Drake May, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels, if you will, perhaps a Jordan Travis, I think it's a bit irresponsible. Right now, the Giants pick fifth in the NFL draft, if it were today, based on the standings uh, that would put you in the mix for perhaps a Marvin Harrison Jr., a Bo Nix. You would have to figure May and Williams in either order, go one-two. But you're reading about a lot how these Giant fans and NFL fans are scratching their head. Do you think any NFL team is going to lay down and die just so the future's brighter? It's absurd. These are grown men who get paid to fulfill a job and want to win games for personal pride. It's not going to happen. That's why I understand a lot of veteran quarterbacks sometimes when they're standoffish about mentoring. I get it. It's great when you do it, but it's understandable to be apprehensive. Some of the irrational thinking around this sort of blows your mind. But staying in week 11 before we get we move forward to what's been happening this week, uh, and if you saw Thanksgiving uh, Day games and then what happened in the Jet-Miami game today, uh, speaking of underwhelming, uh, a lot of underwhelming performances, if you will, uh, to open week 12. But you saw the Eagles and, and the Chiefs and how good both of those teams can be. Uh, last week with the Eagles taking down Kansas City. Right now, you've got to feel, and at least I do, that the Eagles are the Super Bowl favorite. All right, I know that the Chiefs are going to be there. You've got the Ravens there. You can't sleep on the Dallas Cowboys. Philadelphia's got to be the Super Bowl favorite. And one of the interesting things about this, as well as Philly played, after a really quick start by Patrick Mahomes and company, was the fact that this is a Kansas City team, again, as battle-tested as they are as proven as they are in the postseason, can now attribute two losses this year in a, uh, alone, which would give them some breathing room atop the AFC. They can attribute that to dropped passes. This is the second loss this year that Kansas City, including the week one loss at home to open the season to Detroit, where Kadarius Toney had three essential drops. Last week, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Patrick Mahomes with about a buck 50 left in the game throws an absolute dime into the end zone, leading Marquez Valdez-Scantling in stride, and he can't reel it in. Philly wins the game. That's the difference for Kansas City between 9-1 and one and 7-3. and three. Now, they're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to make some noise, barring complete disaster. But that's now two contest this year alone for the defending champs where they bit themselves in the backside against the team that yeah they very well could see again in a Super Bowl matchup all right Philly right now as constituted is the Super Bowl favorite there's no argument there they're the best team in the NFL 
and Kansas City would be right there ahead of Baltimore in the AFC. And we'll talk, we'll go over the playoff picture momentarily without boneheaded drops. And it's almost uncomfortable to say that about a Kansas City team who seemingly the last six, seven years has done everything right under Andy Reid and with Mahomes and with Kelsey when they had Tyreek Hill. Even with running back by committee, as good as Pacheco can be at times. You don't usually see that. And I was surprised that that's something that happened again with Patrick Mahomes liking to spread the football around. Sometimes questionable, perhaps, what receivers he's looking for. But the ball he threw to MBS last week was a Hall of Fame throw that you've got to come up with. And it cost Kansas City a victory. Second time this year. I like the way the Broncos play. You watched that game last week against Minnesota. Two teams that sort of mirror one another. Not the greatest defenses. Questionable quarterback play from two two veterans in Kirk Cousins before he went down with injury. And you know the bad year Russell Wilson had a year ago. Come into this year, and you have slow starts by both. But now here are the Broncos. And here are the Vikings playing well as of late. It's the Josh Dobbs show now in Minnesota as they got him to come over from Arizona. And that game goes down to the wire. Broncos edge the Vikings to put themselves back in the AFC wildcard picture. And Minnesota, after just a brutal start to the season, mostly attributed to the defense, still finds themselves above 500 and in the thick of things. Jets, two miserable performance in a row. If you talk about the Week 11 game in Buffalo, it was a complete disaster, 32-6. to And the Bills get, have you had a much-needed victory all season, more so than what Buffalo did last week? Was there a team in the NFL that needed to assert itself perhaps more than Buffalo? And they did that last week against a Jet team that picked them off earlier in the season. But this is a Jet team that now offensively, I mean, once Aaron Rodgers went down, you probably had a good feeling offensively they weren't going to be able to do anything. Zach Wilson is no good. And if you watch the game today, Tim Boyle was atrocious. And he's not expected to be the savior of this team. They're looking for something different there when Wilson gets to the pine. As he gets yanked out of the Buffalo game a week ago, and the Jets make the decision that they go with Tim Boyle week 12 against Miami. And that game just ended about an hour ago. More on that in a moment. But this is now two in a row for the Jets where they're not able to figure it out offensively. And your defense can only do too mu- so much. Now, if you want to get into where we've gone from week 11 into week 12, you get the Cowboys hammered Washington. I mean... The hottest seat in the NFL has got to be Ron Rivera's, right? You would have to think that after all of this time, underwhelming performance after underwhelming performance, that this is probably it, especially with this franchise going in another direction under new ownership. 45 to 10 after losing at home a week ago to a lowly Giants team is a terrible look. Green Bay picks off Detroit, who can't seem to buy a win on Thanksgiving. Now, the Lions still tops in the division, but that was a huge win for Green Bay that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. But how about the performance yesterday from Jordan Love? Guy hadn't played until this season on a regular basis backing up Aaron Rodgers. So things do take time, but he was struggling, bit by the turnover bug. I think he got a really good look at what Jordan Love brings to the table and what Green Bay was hoping would start to come to fruition. That was as big a win as you could get for Green Bay, puts him back in the playoff race, In Detroit by seven over the Lions on Thanksgiving and love looked good. That was impressive. As impressive as we've seen a team who needed a win when it mattered most. And then you get the 49ers just absolutely drub Seattle in a game between the top two teams in that Western division. And this was interesting for Seattle because dropping a really, really terrible game to the Rams a week ago. And you parlay that now into just getting absolute smacked 
at home to San Francisco where they couldn't stop Christian McCaffrey and Brendan Ayuk. Seattle has a problem now where they're, they're head above water, right in the thick of this race. But you're not sleeping on teams like Minnesota. Right? You're not going to kick all of those teams out just yet. But this is a Seattle team, you know, that's got some problems. Now, the good news for Seattle, if the playoffs started today, as we'll take a look at this playoff picture, they'd be in. They'd be the seventh seed. But you had a real big opportunity last week to give yourself a little more breathing room against the Rams, and you didn't do it. And then not able to do anything Thanksgiving night at home against the 49ers. So from top to bottom, you look at this playoff picture. Philly's the top in the NFC. And they're a game and a half clear of the 49ers at 8-3. and three, Or a game clear of the 49ers at 8-3. and three. Lions still there third. And then you've got the Saints at 5-5 five and five, who really don't inspire as the top seed in the NFC South. So they'd be the four seed right now. Dallas second in the NFC East. They're your five. Dangerous five. The Vikings are sixth. And the Seahawks are seventh. Now, if you're Seattle, you've got the game lead on Green Bay. Lost to the Rams on the table already. They're four and six. And Atlanta's there at four and six. Tampa Bay, four and six. I, I'm not, that's not a team I'm taking seriously. But if you're Seattle, you had a golden opportunity a week ago and you let it slip away and it was too much to overcome. A San Francisco team that, after a little bit of a lull a couple weeks ago, seems to really be back on track. Now, significant things today as far as the AFC playoff picture. Miami goes into MetLife Stadium and absolutely dismantles the Jets. Tim Boyle got the start. I mentioned that as uh, Zach Wilson was QB3 today. Trevor Simeon was called up to be QB2 uh, after Wilson's just awful performance uh, last week against the Buffalo Bills. Boyle sacked seven times. He threw two picks. One of them, dare I say it was hilarious, ended a half, throws one up, trying to score, gets returned 99 and a half yards for a pick six to end the first half, 34-13 the score. And outside of the fact that that's basically going to bury the Jets now at four and seven, that win was significant for Miami because as the standing show right now, if the postseason starts today, Miami the one seed, Baltimore the two seed. So that was a huge win for multiple reasons for the Miami Dolphins. And they went out and got it in impressive fashion. The Jets could do nothing offensively. 159 total yards, only 29 of those on the ground. They couldn't stop the Miami run game. Raheem Mostert, uh, who was the bell cow with Devin Achan, still not ready to be fully utilized again. The phenomenal rookie from Texas A&M, 94 yards on 20 carries and two scores from Mostert. I mean, this was an impressive performance from a Miami team that you expected would come out and get the victory. And they were pedal to the metal the whole time. So you got Dolphins, Ravens, one, two in the AFC right now, Chiefs, Jags, three, four. They're the leaders of the West and the South respectively. Brown's still in this. They'd be your five seed, seven and three. No Deshaun Watson out for the year. But the Browns are finding ways. Houston Texans, perhaps the best story in the league this year at six and four are the six seed. And man, do I like this team. And then the Steelers. You almost scratch your head in just sheer amazement that the Pittsburgh Steelers have been able to do this because you, you talk about that keyword underwhelming. That's been Kenny Pickett, right? That seems to be our word of the day, right? Underwhelming. That's been the play of Kenny Pickett. But when you need him, the kid is there. They've got a good run game, a two-headed monster back there, and the Pittsburgh defense is playing well. So what does that mean? Who's on the outside looking out? Right now, the it, outside looking in, the Buffalo Bills. That's why that win last week against the Jets was so essential for Buffalo to stay above 500 at 6-5 and five, with now the Colts and the Broncos breathing down their neck to be that first team on the bubble. Anything can happen with the Bills just a half game out. There's a lot to go. But now is the time you start paying attention to what is taking place with the playoff picture. A lot of teams are going to get these late season buys, which are huge. They allow you to get healthy, regroup, 
And now as you go into this, because we're into the second half of the season, you get into this now and you really start paying attention to the standings. Who's playing who? Who's beating who? Where's the game? Who's hurt? Who's not? I mean, this is the time that it really starts to get saucy and it's a good time to be a fan. Also a good time to bring in our buddy, Vin. Vin, what's going on, man? How are you? Hi, Peter. How are you? Good, brother. What's going on? Nothing. I just uh, just watched the Jet game and... Somebody's somebody's got to get fired tonight. Yeah, I, you know, Vin. I mean, that's the theme, right? Everything I've read on social media with a lot of even the Jet fans is someone's got to pay for this. And I think you and I, at the beginning of the season, were lockstep because we don't agree on everything. But the Nathaniel Hackett play calling is so vanilla, Vin, and I don't even think you can put it on what's going on the field. It's him. You saw it tonight. It's not Zach Wilson. Can't be his fault tonight. <laughs> you know, Tim Boyle is. Li- Zach Wilson is light years better than Tim Boyle. You got you got to stick with this kid. But I, Salah, I mean, he, he, this team is so undisciplined. More horrible. They had a, a a penalty on the first game, on the first play of the game today. First play of the game. Yeah. He, there's a headbutt. I mean, come on already. You know what I'm saying? The first play of the game. You know, it, it's ridiculous. This team has no discipline whatsoever. Michael Clemens is starting fights every freaking week. Is anybody talking to this guy? Every week he's starting a fight. Today he punched a referee in the face by accident. You know, a referee was bleeding. He got kicked out of the game. Last yeah. week, I, I don't know if you've seen, he started a fight in the tunnel, you know, with a, with a Buffalo player. The other guy, I think it was Jefferson, he headbutted a guy the first play of the game, 15-yard penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct. Well, let me ask can't... you this, because I, I wouldn't think, you know, from the beginning of the season, the way everything was was transpiring with Aaron Rodgers, everything's good, loaded up defense. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is holding this team hostage. He's oh, holding okay. his team hostage. He, he's like he, he he's like a guy in the tower holding Salama. He's holding this whole organization hostage. Everybody he brought in is horrible. They're terrible. Cobb, Cobb and Lazard were healthy scratches tonight. Cook, he brought in Hackett. He's holding this team hostage. They got to cut their ties with him, too. They got to get rid of the coaches, cut ties with Aaron Rodgers, and start fresh. You think Sal is gone? Fifteen and he, thirty head coaching record. He's horrible. He was he had he was he was like seven and twelve as a defensive coordinator with the Niners. He was terrible with the Niners too. He had one good year with the Niners. They were thirteen and two. And the uh, what do you think they couldn't wait to get rid of him for? Because they had D'Amico Ryan's back him. How's that turning out, D'Amico Ryan's that coach? Now he's yet yeah, with the Texans, doing great. Yeah. Yeah, no Probably kidding. the front runner for coach of the year, <laughs> ironically they, enough. They couldn't wait to get rid of Salah. They didn't like him. They didn't like him there in San Francisco. They couldn't wait to bring to promote D'Amico Ryan. This guy, he's got to go. It's it's over. The Jets, this is over. I mean, the play call is like this guy, Tim Boyle. He's, he, I mean, I feel bad for him. He's clueless. He's got a chicken arm. He can't move. And now what, what are they going to do next week? They can't start him again. They can't start Tim. They're going to try to start Trevor Simeon next week. Who's proven he's not a good quarterback over the last seven or eight years? Yeah, you know? and it's and it's interesting how th- these parallels that run now it, it begs the question: What do the Jets do about Zach Wilson now? Because See, having him that, sit there is 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 borderline ridiculous. He's your best quarterback. You got to give. He's your best chance to win. He can throw the ball. This kid can't. This kid. Boy. Well, what I'm saying is, if if he doesn't play, and it looks like he is not going to play, no, I think Salah signed his death. Death warrant tonight. I think, you know, I mean, it sounds like to me, Salah, when he said last week, he said last week, they asked him about drafting Zach Wilson, and he sort of threw Joe Douglas under the bus, saying, I had other ideas. I mean, that was terrible that he said that. Meanwhile, I go back to the tape, and he's gushing over Zach Wilson at the pro day. He's full of, he's full of crap. The guy (laughs) just, the guy just speaks out of both sides of his mouth. Yeah. I mean, Joe Douglas is not doing a great job either. Not to address this offensive line in the beginning of the year. This offensive line is putrid. I mean, Aaron, no, no court. I mean, in, a, in defense of Tim Boyle, no quarterback would have succeeded tonight. They yeah, no, I totally him. agree. They were all over him. He really had no chance. Everything's a three-yard checkdown pass. You know, they had 50 yards of offense going into the fourth quarter, and they got whatever 100 yards in garbage time. You know, it's just I don't know how he starts this guy next week. I don't know how Hackett has a job next week. Well, you listen, we're, 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 we'll we'll definitely see you know what's going to happen moving forward. And yeah, well, Vinny, I, 
Thank okay. you, but uh, you, you got it. Buffalo and Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo fired their old coordinator. They came yep. out. They play good. You know, Raiders fired. Sometimes their, you need it. Raiders fired their head coach. They came out. They won two games in a row. You got. You got. Yep. They got to. They got to make a move. It can't be the players' fault all the time. It's on the coaching staff with the Jets. That's all it is. Agreed. Yes. Pete, have a Agreed. nice weekend. All right, brother. Good talking to you, pal. Yeah, so look, and, and Vin's right. Um, things are going to have to change. And you can you can go the, the whataboutism approach, the what-if approach. Well, this this wouldn't be transpiring if, if we had number eight under center. Uh, you don't necessarily know all that either. Yeah, but I, and, I, and I think a lot of this lends itself with this Jets team to the fact that they invested a lot in going to get Aaron Rodgers, bringing over Nathaniel Hackett, and one of the things, and, and, and this is negligent, the fact that the Jets didn't have a viable backup quarterback option in relief of Aaron Rodgers. And Zach Wilson's had his moments, but now he's been rendered useless as he went from QB1 to QB3. That's a bad job by Douglas, who's had some home runs, but he's had a bunch of swings and misses as well. This is a swing and a miss. And this is problematic for the Jets on many levels. And it's not something that's going to be an overnight fix. Like, if you want to compare it to the Crosstown Giants, right, Giants got problems of their own. But I think it's, it's it's pretty identifiable the direction the Giants need to go. Just getting a quarterback for the Giants isn't going to fix this. Got to have more cap money, which they will next year. And you've got to utilize the draft, which they've done a better job of. There's a path there. Jets are in limbo here with a with a 40-year-old, soon-to-be 40-year-old quarterback going into next year coming off a major injury that isn't easy for a teenager to recover from, let alone who's, guy, uh, who's been in the league for 15-plus years and is going to be 40 years old. With nothing behind him other than a quarterback that you don't have to like Zach Wilson, but a lot of the way he's been dragged has been unfair. I don't think he's a particularly good quarterback either. But there's been a lot of puppeteering going on with Zach Wilson that's a little bit extreme. So we'll see how, really where this goes. I mean, the, the rest of the season, you could see, and Vinny mentioned it with Clemens and company, uh, you could see how much the, the lackluster and ineffectiveness of this offense is, is impacting the rest of the team. It's frustrating. Yeah, Jets defense had a pick six today. They picked off two or twice. Offense couldn't do a thing. Defense can't do it all. 85 Bears, 86 Giants, 2,000 Ravens. They can't do it all. You have to give them some semblance of support. And right now, the Jets' defense has none. I mean, for Christ's sake, Tommy DeVito threw three touchdown passes last week against a team that needed to win to stay in the playoff race. Jets don't even can't even sniff that right now, which is, which is a, a fundamentally an organizational problem with the New York Jets, that quite honestly, you didn't think you were going to have coming into this year. You wanted to tell me that the New York Giants weren't going to be a playoff team. They'd take a step back. I could agree with that. They signed too many slot receivers, didn't bulk up the offensive line as well as they should. You want to tell me the Minnesota Vikings were going to take a step back as that defense was weakened in the offseason? I could buy that. Maybe a team like the Baltimore Ravens improving this, their stock could be more of a significant Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I could get on board with that too. The Denver Broncos being a better team than they were a year ago. Sure, Russ turning it around. I could get on board with that. I didn't see this coming from the New York Jets. And it really goes even beyond the injury to Aaron Rodgers. Because now I think you're learning a lot about this Jet franchise. Fundamentally, from the top down, there's a lot of problems with this front office. And we got uh, Mike on the line now. Mike, what's up? How are you? Yeah, hi, Pete. How you doing? What's going on? Uh, happy to talk about the Giants. <laughs> Better years they're having. But I was a, one of the few Giant fans that, that was happy to see a victory Sunday. Yeah, you can't yeah. sit there and root against them. And, and, and the can't. other thing is, too, you, you come two weeks ago, that you get pounded by Dallas. Uh, and... and the, just a horrible decision-making in the Jet game a few weeks ago. But I would be hard-pressed to, to really take anybody seriously who could convince me that despite this horrific season, despite this horrendous record the Giants have, that this team doesn't play hard. 
And I was happy with the kid DeVito. I saw him play a lot when he was at Syracuse. And, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it. The guy's not the second coming of Joe Namath. But if you're DeVito, you can look halfway decent the rest of the year. You might have a job as a backup for years. And that's the thing. Plus, then you get the NFL pension, which is pretty good. So, yeah. I mean, that's probably what you're what you're looking at long term with Tommy DeVito. Uh, but as far as it's, it, it was good to see the Giants put together a complete game, uh, minus some hiccups early on by the offensive line. But the defense came to play, and it was for a season that's been full of the the negatives. It was nice to see four quarters, or for the most part, four quarters of a positive. Right, like when the draft comes up. Right now, they're about fifth. Maybe they end up sixth. And I want, as much as I would want a quarterback, if Harrison falls in my lap, I would have a hard time not picking him. I, and, I, and I think that makes a lot of sense for the Giants. If he were to go that far, a lot of people still think he, he, he'll go probably third to either Williams or May in whatever order. But the Giants don't have a lead dog. They don't have an alpha one wide receiver right now. They, they got a bunch of decent slot guys. They and, and that's one of the key issues with this team this year, outside of the fact that they don't have a viable tight end at the moment. They right. need a clear cut, go get the football number one receiver. And right now they do not have that. Right. If they pick if they pick fifth or sixth, who do you think would be available quarterback wise when they pick? It, May and Williams, you would think would be gone, but the way he continues to play, it, you you would have to think that Bo Nix is gonna go in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, you would have to think Knicks would be there. Michael Penix, in 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 my estimation, is absolutely a first round pick. I don't care what anybody says. I think you got four quarterbacks right there that are first round picks, and then you probably look at someone like a Jaden Daniels in the second round, uh, the kid from LSU who's had a nice season uh, for an LSU team that has really disappointed. That's true. Sometimes you know you can you can get a decent quarterback on the second round. And in the first round, maybe you got a good O-liner that would really help you. Well, it's it, I mean, this is as well-rounded as a draft as we've seen in some time from the fact that there will be, even including Jordan Travis coming off this lower leg injury from a week ago, six viable quarterbacks uh, at least that will be coming in, into the, the, the NFL draft this, this April uh, with a boatload of wide receivers, two of them coming out of LSU and Ohio State combined, uh, and it's an offensive line draft as well. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. There's holes to fill for every team. Uh, but as far as the New York Giants are concerned, it's a hell of a lot more than quarterback. Um, because Absolutely. you got Jones for at least one more year, whether he's under center or watching from the sidelines. And they're going to have to figure this out. That's and if it's, if, it's, if it's right out of the gates, a quarterback, if they – somehow tank the rest of this season if they fall in love with a mayor or Williams or they build, um, you know, externally outside of those top five picks that they might have in the NFL draft. Uh, they've got some work to do. Um, and it, it's definitely be, it, it'll be thrilling actually to see what goes on and what this approach is now, uh, which will be year three uh, for Shane and Dable. Cause I don't think anything's happening there. I think they've got the overwhelming support there. Uh, yeah, I think both so, Shane and Dable. I, I I don't think Daniel Jones does, um, but I, I do think that Shane and Dable will be given the opportunity uh, to clean this up, and I and I think they should. I agree. All right, kiddo. Take care. Thank you, Mike. It's good talking to you. See you later. And and look, there's there there's so much to be correlated there between what's happening with the Jets and the Giants, right? You have so many parallels. I mean, there's a, a you can look at teams, the commanders, right? And Sam Howell had a disgraceful game last week against the Giants, and he wasn't much better Thanksgiving night against the Dallas Cowboys. But you're probably thinking the commanders are probably going to stick that route because until two weeks ago, or at least a week ago, Sam Howell was leading the league in passing yards. So Washington might feel pretty comfortable there, but they have other areas that they're going to have to build to even be able to sniff teams like the Cowboys and the Eagles. Green Bay's done it, right? Now that you see perhaps what Jordan Love has been able to do in a big-time spot Thanksgiving against a rival, national TV, 
You know, that's what Green Bay was waiting for. That's why they held on to this kid. It takes time. He hadn't played for years because he was sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. Hot start against the Bears week one. Then he hit a low. But now you're starting to see maybe what this kid has. From the arm, the mobility around the pocket, the good decision-making, the leadership characteristics. It's not easy to go on a road against a first-place team. And by the way, this is a Detroit team that is probably going to be a home favorite in a postseason game. The Detroit freaking Lions are going to be a home playoff favorite, probably, this postseason. So that's a huge win for Green Bay to keep them right in this mix. As you look to Week 12, and let's get right into the picks, right? A lot being said about what, what the future holds. But we've got a month plus left to this regular season. Um, and this week started Detroit, Green Bay. I like 97% of America went Detroit in that. So I started the week off. I was comfortable with Dallas over Washington. They hammered them. I wanted San Fran all over Seattle. They hammered them. I had Miami over the Jets. They hammered them. So I went 75% of my Thursday, Friday picks like Probably most people did, unless you were that 3% who picked Green Bay or the poor soul who thought Washington was going to beat Dallas on Thanksgiving in Big D. Now you go to the weekend matchups. You got Carolina going to Tennessee. Bryce Young, I, I think the opening season, obviously, it's been problematic at times. I don't think the young man is being given credit for the growth that we've seen the last couple of weeks. All right, Jonathan Mingo has asserted himself a little more opposite Adam Thielen, the veteran wideout. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, when given the opportunity. Now, this is a Carolina team that mostly plays from behind, but Chuba Hubbard has done a nice job out of that backfield. I don't think they beat Tennessee on the road, but I think the game is close. Jacksonville goes to Houston. I can't wait to watch this. This is the 1 p.m. Eastern kick uh, Sunday in the Dome. I'm going Houston here. I know it's it's probably a coin flip and a slight favorite to Jacksonville on the road. And as tough as this Jacksonville defense can be, forget about C.J. Stroud as Rookie of the Year. Can we talk about him as MVP? Right, Because by my estimation right now, if you look around the league, your MVP, Mahomes will probably be in there in some capacity. Jalen Hurts better be in there. Obviously, Dak Prescott is in the conversation. He's probably the leader. Why not C.J. Stroud? And if you want to go non-quarterback, perhaps an A.J. Brown, Christian McCaffrey. Why not C.J. Stroud? This Houston team under D'Amico Ryans, who's the clear favorite for coach of the year, has been a phenomenal story. So give me Houston at home over Jacksonville to make things in the South a little more interesting as we move forward. Pats go to the Giants. You know, just a lackluster game. I'm a, you know, you all know I'm a lifelong Giant fan. I do like the Giants here. I think their defense is better than New England. Mac Jones has been terrible. Uh, you know, I think Ramondre Stevenson presents a challenge for that New York Giants defensive line up front. Outside of that, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think the Giants win the game at home, and I think they win it pretty comfortably in what's been a disastrous year for Bill Belichick and perhaps his final in New England. The Saints are going to go to Atlanta. And now this is an interesting game. You talk about playoff positioning, how this is the time of the year that you really can start to pay attention to that. right? Again, if, if we revisit where we are in the NFC, right now the Saints are the four seed. They'd host a playoff game. If it started today, they'd bring Dallas in because Dallas is the five seed via being second place in the NFC East behind the Eagles, who are the top seed in the NFC uh, and have the best record in all of football. Now you look at this matchup this week with New Orleans going to Atlanta. Atlanta's on the outside looking in, but they're right there at four and six, just behind the six and five Seattle Seahawks. And you've got the opportunity there as well in this division, a game behind the Saints. This is big. And you know what? I like Atlanta at home. I know most of America is going to disagree with me, but I like the Falcons at home. Pittsburgh goes to Cincinnati. Joe Burrow out for the year. You talk about the most heartbreaking thing in college football last week to be the season-ending injury and college career-ending injury uh, for Jordan Travis of Florida State. Joe Burrow's year is over as well. And you start to wonder, you know, from the perspective of this season for Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, where he never looked quite right, perhaps if he wasn't ready 
to come back from the camp injury week one. It's a moot point now. He's out. Pittsburgh, I like him on the road in Cincinnati. Would you be totally stunned if they lost? Probably not because there's been the element of Jekyll and Hyde with Kenny Pickett and company. I just like the run game of the Steelers, and I like their defense being able to eat this weekend without that veteran uh, knowledge of Joe Burrow in a big divisional game. That's a 1 o'clock kick on the East Coast Sunday. Tampa goes to Indy. Give me Indy here. I like Indianapolis at home, and this is another team that is right there at 5-5 five and five on, on the outside looking in the playoff race, and they're chasing a Jaguar team and a Houston team from the South that, you know, things go their way. Houston loses to Jacksonville. That drops them to 6-5, and five, and the Colts win. They're both 6-5. and five. So things are going to start to get real interesting here. That's why, you know, I'm a full believer. It's week 12 now. Start paying attention to the standings if you haven't already. Cleveland, without Deshaun Watson, goes to Denver. I know Denver's hot. But give me a better defense in the NFL than the Cleveland Browns. You can't because they are number one. I don't want to hear about the Jets and any other team. Cleveland has the best defense in the National Football League, and I don't even think it's close. I like them going to the mile high and getting a huge victory, which would put them at 8-3 and three on the season. Rams go to Arizona. Arizona is a complete freaking dumpster fire, even with Kyler Murray. And the Rams stole one a week ago against Seattle before Seattle crapped its pants last night against the 49ers. I like the Rams here. I think most people do. They'll be a slight road favorite. That's a 405 East Kick Sunday. Buffalo goes to Philly. Now I've got Philly as the clear cut favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. Numerically, they've got the best record in the NFL right now. I love everything about this Eagles team, but I've just got this bizarre feeling that Josh Allen and company can go into Lincoln Financial and get the win 425 Eastern time on Sunday. I know eight out of 10 people are going to disagree with me, but I like Josh Allen and co to get this job done. Give me Buffalo in the upset over Philadelphia, which would make Dallas Cowboy fans do backflips. KC goes to Vegas looking to bounce back. They will. That's a 425 Sunday on the East. And then you've got Baltimore going to the Chargers. I mean, if you if you talk about Ron Rivera having the hottest seat in the National Football League, where does that put Brendan Staley of the Chargers? I mean, this is a team... That has been absolutely putrid at times. And this is a guy now in Brandon Staley who is not getting along with his own media. Has put his foot in his mouth a couple times. Has a defensive background. And the defense can't stop anyone. And oh, by the way, Austin Eckler, phenomenal wide receiver. Justin Herbert. As true as they come, gunslinger. Rotting. It was bad enough that they blew a four-touchdown lead last year against the Jaguars in the postseason. I mean, this is probably, if Baltimore goes in there and absolutely blows the doors off the Chargers, heads are going to roll. Coaching changes have already started in the league. If the Chargers get there, you know what's kicked in. Staley's gone. Because it's at the point now where this has gone on for long enough, as it sort of has in Washington. Now, the the commander's a little different under new ownership. They're going to go in a different direction. Give me Baltimore over the Chargers. Closer than you think, but Baltimore gets it done. You got the Monday night game. Chicago goes to Minnesota. Josh Dobbs has been as good of a story as C.J. Stroud and the Texans. And Minnesota's right there in this whole thing. Playoffs start today. Matter of fact, they're the sixth seed. It would set up a date with the Detroit Lions if the postseason started today, which would be pretty damn cool. I like Minnesota at home over Chicago, uh, and that's and that's the week. And there's a lot of good games on there. And there's a lot of very interesting storylines, you know, beyond. Again, this is a national show with a New York flavor. There's a lot of great storylines beyond the disastrous New York Jets and Giants. And I think moving forward with the way the schedule plays out, 
you know, definitely with college football, we're getting ready to uh, announce the bowl games and the playoff games, the conference championship games and college basketball season has started. We'll start talking more about the NBA and the NHL. But I think moving forward, you look at this NFL schedule the rest of the way, marquee matchups week after week after week. And that's what you want. Meaningful football down the stretch is what it's all about. Miss the next episode. Sports Today with Peter J. Yeah, by now you all know where to subscribe. Podbean right here. We host live every Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. iHeartRadio is absolutely killing it for STWPJ. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Samsung, Google, you name it, TuneIn Radio, it's on there. You can subscribe and leave comments across all platforms. I continue to appreciate unendingly the listenership and viewership on a week-to-week basis uh, and the post-show downloads as well. Let's shift gears and get into college football. Week 13, we're coming down to the wire here. Biggest game of the week, bar none. Ohio State, number two, going to number three, Michigan. Until two years ago, this was a matchup that was dominated by the Buckeyes. They'd won eight straight. Now Michigan's taken the last two in pretty convincing fashion. Now Michigan will still be without Jim Harbaugh continues to serve that three-game suspension for in-house cheating, whatever you want to call it. Michigan got caught doing something they shouldn't have been doing, and they paid the price for it with their head coach not being able to be on campus. And this is an interesting game now, not just because of Big Ten championship game. The winner of this game, by the way, will go to the Big Ten championship game and play Iowa or college football playoff implications. From a history perspective, The Big Ten expands next year to 18 teams. So this could be the final time you see a game really of this magnitude, the one and the done between the longtime rivals. With the expansion of the Big Ten to 18 teams next year, there's no more divisions. So you could get two matchups in future years between Ohio State and Michigan, but you don't know if they're going to have the magnitude of this one where Hey, you know what? The loser of this game is probably knocked out, definitely knocked out of going to the Big Ten Championship game and probably eliminated from going to the Final Four. So while two games per season, perhaps, depending on the success of both uh, universities on the gridiron, between Ohio State and Michigan sounds cool, you lose that you know romanticism with this expansion to 18 teams and the fact that Tomorrow's game, again, for those listening live, the game will be Saturday noon Eastern on Fox. You lose that intimacy of, wow, this is it. We lose. We're done. I mean, a loser of this game is going to a New Year's Six. That's big. But you want to be in the tournament before it expands next year. This is the final year of the Final Four. Of course, the college football playoff expands to 12 teams next year. Look, it's been two in a row for Michigan. They continue to run the ball well. J.J. McCarthy's played well. They got a two-headed monster back there and a ferocious defense. But this is an Ohio State team that has proven they know how to win. And that's been something of a knock in the past with Ohio State, hasn't it been? At least something that follows Ryan Day. You had the complete failure against Georgia a year ago, blowing a multiple-score lead in the playoffs not able to get over the Michigan hump the last couple of years. You know, Ohio State goes into South Bend and steals one from Notre Dame. That ain't easy to do on national television. That's tough. Play a tough physical game a few weeks ago with Penn State. Not easy to do. Those are quality victories. For a quality Ohio State football team. I think Ohio State gets it done Saturday. I really do. I think, I think it's going to be smash-mouth football. I think you'll have the opportunity to see some drama. You've got good wideouts on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Ohio State will get the nod there by most. Two first-round draft picks on the outside. An offensive line that's grown as the year's gone on. And a defense on the Jim Knowles that still probably doesn't get the credit it's deserved. This Ohio State defense is one of the best in the nation. And that was something that Ryan Day and company were lacking the last couple seasons. Well, they've got it. 
to the tune of 11-0 this year. Tough wins at home and on the road. Penn State and Notre Dame, I mentioned them already. I like Ohio State here. I really, really do. Obviously shocked if Michigan wins. Of course not. But I like the Buckeyes. I like them to go into the Big Ten Championship game. They're going to, the winner of this game is going to, as good as Iowa's defense is, that Iowa team can't score points. So Iowa's not going to beat Ohio State or Michigan. You look ahead Saturday evening, you got Florida State going to Florida. Now, Florida State was jumped in the polls by Washington. Now, Washington goes to four. If the college football playoff started today, Washington in, Florida State out. Perhaps largely due to the injury to Jordan Travis or the fact that Washington is just a damn good football team. So now it's Tate Rodemacher, who was a three-star recruit from the 2020 class who threw two touchdowns last week in a thumping of North Alabama. This is his time now. Jordan Travis done for the year. His Florida State career is over. But you've got this Florida State team here that controls its destiny. You've got an opportunity here because of what can happen around you to win out, get the ACC title. You'll be in the Final Four. Now, a lot of people will make that comparison with Rodemacher taking over for Travis when JT Barrett and Braxton Miller went down for Ohio State in 2014 and Cardale Jones took over as the third stringer and won the Buckeyes a national championship. I can see the parallels and I can appreciate it as a college football fan. This is a different situation as they always are. It does make for a cool story, I suppose. And Florida State goes to Florida with a... With a uh, this is still Billy Napier and company trying to find themselves, right? It takes time to build programs. And I give you a perfect example of what it looks like to successfully build a program. Look no further than Missouri. Eli Drinkwitz is in uh, year four, and he's putting on a clinic of what you need to do to build a program. Support yourself by surrounding yourself as a head coach with a reliable staff, guys that can relate to the student athletes, and then you get your ass out on the recruiting trail. And now he's got a top Probably at the end of the week, he'll have a top seven Missouri team and a team that's going to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. That's huge. And a team that's got big wins on its resume this year. So you look at a guy like Billy Napier, a couple of years into his Florida tenure, it takes time. I use the example of Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman's two wins away this season. If Notre Dame beats Stanford tomorrow and then they win whatever bowl game they go to, which perhaps will be uh, New Year's Day, wherever that may be, probably against an SEC opponent that well, he will have two 10-win seasons in his first two years as a head coach and not at some slap-you-know-what school. First two years as a head coach at the freaking University of Notre Dame, he will have won 20 games. So you got to give these guys times. Missouri did it. And I think Florida will stay the course here with Napier. I think this is a close game, but it's really hard for me to go against the Seminoles in this one. I think Rodemacher uh, can get it done against a very talented Florida defense. He's got the weaponry to support him. And I and I, I just like the way Florida State and Mike Norvell have approached this entire thing. So I like Florida State in the second biggest game of Saturday, and I like Ohio State to take down Michigan. So give me OSU over Michigan. Give me Florida State over Florida. This should be two really good games. Notre Dame's going to Stanford, and a lot of Irish fans are up in arms that the game's only on the Pac-12 network and whose cable provider doesn't get it. Um, for those who are chimed in live, Fubo offers a free subscription. I think Sling TV, uh, apparently from what I was told, the Pac-12 network is not available on Fios um, and YouTube TV. Uh, don't quote me on that, but that is something uh, that I thought this will be the final regular season game uh, for the first and only year for Sam Hartman as Notre Dame's quarterback. They're, they're about a 25-point favorite um, on the road to Stanford. Who can be pesky defensively? But I think you're comfortable liking the Irish um, in this one. You get a good noon game as well. Kentucky going to Louisville. Uh, it's been a disappointing stretch for Kentucky. And they're going to go to Louisville in a rivalry game at Cardinal Stadium. Seven and a half is the line for Louisville. Uh, I like the Cardinals. I think it'll be close. I think this Kentucky defense is real good. Um, but Louisville offensively, uh, you saw that if you were a Notre Dame fan up close. The team speed, especially offensively, is phenomenal. 
for this Louisville team. The one hiccup on the year, they're going for their 11th win. Uh, it's just been a remarkable season for Brom and company um, in Louisville. And and I and I think this has been, um, you know, one of those seasons that you'll definitely remember for Louisville to beat a Notre Dame team uh, that came in playing good football uh, at home. And they can wrap up the regular season in impressive fashion with a win over Kentucky um, Saturday. Texas A&M goes to LSU. You got Alabama going to Auburn in another good game. Tennessee hosts Vandy. Liberty's into the top 25 at 11-0. If they knock off UTEP in the 330 game on CBS Sports Network, that will cap a 12-0 and an 8-0 perfect conference USA season. Washington hosts Washington State at four o'clock. Obviously, Florida goes to Florida State goes to Florida. Uh, Georgia's at Georgia Tech, and then North Carolina at NC State with Clemson at South Carolina to wrap up the evening. Now, where this gets interesting when you look at the college football playoff today: Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington. That's your top four. But you can add Florida State and Alabama in my estimation. And consider those six teams the teams that control their own destiny. Alabama's going to get a crack at Georgia in the SEC title game December 2nd. Alabama's got the one loss earlier in the year to Texas. So a loss in that game eliminates Alabama completely from playoff contention. And a close loss by Georgia most likely will not do that as they go for their third consecutive national championship. Now, Washington, minus a slip-up against Washington State, really should be able to kick its way into the into the playoff with a second win over Oregon, which would come via the Pac-12 championship. Now, Oregon, in order to get to the Pac-12 championship, which I think they will, are going to have to defeat Oregon State. So there's so much on the line, and that game, for those listening live, is about a half an hour from kicking off at Autzen Stadium in Eugene. So Oregon wins that game. They go to the Pac-12 championship game. I do think Oregon will win the game. That sets up a rematch with Washington. Washington beats Oregon again. They're in the Final Four. You can't leave them out. Pac-12 championship beat Oregon twice. Not easy to do. And you would have to think the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game will find their way into the top four because I can't see either Ohio State or Michigan losing to Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. So if you're Florida State, if you win out, the loser of the OSU-Michigan game is gone. Alabama with a loss to Georgia is gone. So you could conceivably say Georgia, let's say Ohio State wins. They beat Michigan. Georgia-Ohio State Washington wins out and Florida State wins out. You'd have Georgia, Ohio State, Washington, Florida State. That would be your final four. Now, there's a lot of chaos that that can go on here. And as we've seen in in, in recent years, this time of the year, chaos does take place. When you get teams that don't control their own destiny, sitting on pins and needles, waiting to see what happens. Is it going to be us or is it going to be somebody else? That's what you have this week and the following week. And that's the beauty, folks, of college football. This is the time of the year where so much is on the line. Where every game matters. And in college football, every game does. And you start to look at the schedule this week, Florida State, Florida. You had Ole Miss take down Mississippi State Thanksgiving night. That was a good game. Ohio State, Michigan. Texas A&M, LSU. Big game for Alabama on the road against Auburn. who lost to New Mexico State a week ago. Alabama's a 13-point favorite in that game. I think Auburn keeps it closer at Jordan-Hare. But they're not going to beat Alabama. So you've got big games. Coming down this trek, the regular season, as we're a week away, basically, from conference championship season. And then, wow. And we can really, really start breaking down what's happening with the final four. This is the best time of the year to be a football fan. NFL trucking along. Playoff picture starts to become clear. 
and in college football as well. Obviously, you can follow the show on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, you name it, we're on it. Just subscribe across the board. Downloads increase across all platforms on a weekly basis. And it's been a hell of a lot of fun to be the pilot of the ship. See you all next Friday, December 1st, same time, same place. Enjoy the football this weekend. Next weekend, we'll talk lots of college basketball. I mean, I'm going to give you the teams I love so far. I mean, Purdue, Arizona, Marquette, Kansas, Houston, the defending champ, UConn. Everybody right there. College basketball off to a hell of a start. New York Rangers playing damn good hockey. We got the in-season NBA tournament going on that we can talk about. Celtics playing good ball. Mavs playing good ball. Timberwolves playing good ball. Nick hanging around. So much to talk about, but the next couple of weeks, I think you'll agree with me. It's all about the gridiron, baby. NFL truck long and the college football season. Coaching, final four, and bowl campaign. Have a great week, everybody. And as always, go Irish. Listen to Sports Today with Peter J. Every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We'll see you there.